am just going to go and oh. get this out of the way. I watched Fast X. You certainly did. And honestly, it prompted me to revisit the ending because I completely forgot about what happened <laughs> at the end of Fast X. <laughs> well, I mean, and no spoilers here, but it is very much a part one of two here. Yes. Um, hopefully. You know, oh, we'll Jesus. see what Fast XI is. But, Could be um, part one of three, I've heard. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. This is not the worst Fast and Furious movie. I think nine is worse. I think nine is worse. I remember watching nine and being like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, and this, I was able to follow a lot better. Mm-hmm. And there were some things in this that I was like, this is pretty, I'm here for this. Yeah. You know, the set pieces were not so wildly insane. Mm-hmm. And I love Jason Momoa. Pretty good. Jason Momoa was great in this. And there kept being little things where I was like, there's something here. There's like, there's the, the in the early scene where Jason Momoa is talking to Charlize Theron, I was like, this is a dope setup and a dope scene. Yeah. You know, and then you cut away and you go to Vin Diesel and you're like, oh, oh. God, I think that's literally my main thing is like Vin Diesel is terrible in these movies. He's re- he's gotten worse and he's gotten worse. And I think it's just because he's doing whatever he wants and he doesn't he's not a man of nuance. No, clearly doing a gravelier voice than he needs to at this point. And it's yes. like it's just like, ooh, this is a really cool moment. Ooh, this is a really cool moment. So I was I was having fun with it, like for the most part, it got a little dense at a couple times yeah. um but like about halfway through i had the realization this should 100 percent be a miniseries yeah yeah this exists so well to be a miniseries it even has its own written in bottle episode with the kid and john cena that are just off on their own safari that are just off on their own thing and it's like that's a one hour thing and then we catch up with the rest of the story at that and then mm-hmm. like that's like right before we go into the finale like there's so many different plot lines that Fast demands that we talk about. Yeah. You know, Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez just in prison. Yeah. The the four, I don't know, like, Ludacris and uh, Tyrese, Tyrese and, and, and Han. Um, Han and I don't, and. I don't uh, remember the other girl's name. It's not Bishop. It's Iker. It's, 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 oh. Um, She's like the tech person, even the Ludacris. Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. And then a whole bunch of other people thrown in there that I'm just like, why? Yeah. Why is Rita Moreno in this movie? (laughs) Seriously, why? Why is Scott Eastwood in this movie? Statham is in this movie. Statham just shows up there. Pete Davidson for a hot minute. Like all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, which I am attributing that to like, there's a part two and possibly part three coming. Sure. Like Rita pulling Rita Moreno into this makes no sense if she's not going to come into play except for that opening scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, Not a great movie. Still like too far away from the car culture that it so loves. Um, yeah. But when you're not in a scene with Vin Diesel, there's actual fun that can be had. In these yes. Movies. It's such a good point, um, too. I mean, like I-, I was having fun with Ludacris, Tyrese um, and their whole crew doing whatever they're doing, going from like point A to point B, then finding Statham like that stuff is like, yeah. Not good, but at least it's entertaining and interesting, and they're funny. Like there's there's like entertainment to be had. Yeah. As soon as you cut to Vin Diesel, it's all stripped like, away. Yeah, it's yeah. just the weirdest thing. I don't understand it at all. Like, <laughs> and and Alan Richard Rich 
Richson in this too. Alan Richson. Yes. Richson. I always want to call him Richardson, but it's not. But yeah. Yeah. Like he was great. Like it's so much good talent. It's an absurd amount of good talent at this point. Yes. Insane. Like I'm like literally like, how does this get, how do they pull in? Like, how are you pulling in Brie Larson into this? I know. I know. I forgot she was after, in it. After after Fast 9. Like, how is Brie Larson like, you know what my next movie is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast X. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, two and a half stars probably won't ever watch again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I could see when they finally do wrap this all up being like, here I go. I'm doing all of them. All of them. But yeah. I, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. I can stop hovering over it as I scroll through stuff now. They won't recommend it to you again, I don't think, now either. Yeah. So that's good. I keep seeing it, and I was like, one day I'm going to have to watch Fast X. Mm-hmm. And my wife wasn't home, and I didn't want to watch anything heavy. And I was like, you know what we're doing? Fast X. Boom. Also, this will be my last thing, then we can continue. Um, this movie 100% is not two hours and 20 minutes long, which is what it says on everything. Mm. It goes to credits at two hours, oh, and then it has credit, and then it has credits for like four minutes, and then there's a stinger and then it has credits for another 15 minutes because I was sitting there as like it was wrapping up and I was super taken aback by the like this is part one where yeah. it's just kind of like the whole thing ends. Right. And I was like, no, there's 20 there's minutes 20 left in this movie. Left. What are we talking about? So it's actually pretty short for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad, honestly. Yeah. It's a solid two hour movie. Like, fuck yeah. Good God. Most other movies, a lot of the Oscar contenders can't even get to that. There's there's just so link. many different units from all around the world because they have to have the Brazil unit and the London unit. Oh, and you're all. so right, though. And each one has their own. on and on <laughs> Dailies and on. for Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Well, I now need to watch that stinger because I didn't see it uh, the two times that I've now seen Fast X. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I did not notice. That there was 20 minutes left. So that just shows you how much I was yeah. paying attention to it. But neither here nor there. Um, weirdly enough, my first movie is going to tie directly into that. Because nice. I went and I saw The Beekeeper in IMAX last night. Last night being uh, Monday night. Um, which stars Jason Statham as a beekeeper. Yes. Directed by David Ayer. Who I have a very complicated relationship to. Because he's made Indeed. some movies that I love. Like End of Watch and Fury. Mm-hmm. He's also made Bright and Suicide Squad. So, you know, like he he plays the gamut here. And I will say that it seems like he understands what he's good at now. Because mm. this movie is not a good movie, but it's not supposed to be. And it's very clear that he had no intention of making like a movie that makes any sense or was a elevated movie. But it is just Jason Statham killing people for 100 minutes. And that I'm right. 100% here for. Um he plays a beekeeper, both in the literal sense as well as part of this shadowy organization called the Beekeepers, which I was like, you didn't need to do that, but I respect the <laughs> fact that he's be- keeping bees in this movie. I like that. I think that's really yeah. funny. And then he has to essentially you know, enact vengeance upon people who have done wrong to society. And then it becomes this really fun, ridiculous, over-the-top, just essentially equalizer John Wick ish type of film where this man just goes and kills everybody. Doesn't matter how good you are. Like there you go. Jeremy Irons is in this movie, <laughs> which, you know, Always that. 
Always an ad. <laughs> he, he's just fantastic. Josh Hutcherson is in this movie. And honest to God, I don't know. This is kind of exactly what I was hoping for it to be. And it's also funny because with David Ayer, he's either so pro-cop that you can like taste the boot, basically, <laughs> yeah. or... It's this where he's like the cops can't do their job, and I'm like, what do you what do you believe in, my where guy? Where do you land on this, my man? Where do you leave? Yeah, where do you land on this? Um, so the politics, I don't understand, but that's I don't really give a shit about that. Um, sure. Jason the, Statham killing people. Jason, yeah, Jason Statham killing people, and the thing is, like, Jason Statham is one of the most, if not the most, reliable kind of stunt martial art actor, like actual mm-hmm. leading man actor, because he can actually do it, yeah. and it's believable. And uh, I don't know, man, like I had a blast for 100 minutes knowing that air was like, yeah, this is stupid. Like the amount of times they said beekeeper, I was like, yes, like just yeah. keep <laughs> saying it over and over again. This is amazing. Embrace um, the camp. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, not a great movie, but also like, what do you fucking expect, man? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. this is exactly what it's supposed to be. So if you can get a chance to see the beekeeper. I do weirdly recommend it. I don't know why. It's a good, it's a perfect dumpuary movie. Like this is not a July movie. Like this is a January movie. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was great. So the beekeeper. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, I will jump real quick to uh, my Godzilla movie of the week. Ooh. Um, which is Godzilla Raids again, 1955. Okay. Um, so this is the first direct sequel from the original Godzilla. Um, takes place in the same, like, I don't know because I haven't watched a bunch of these, but this is, like, very much a direct sequel. Like, the events of the first Godzilla are heavily referenced in this one, Mm. and it's kind of like the world is very much reacting to the, well, has reacted to the existence of Godzilla, and everybody knows about Godzilla, and everybody's afraid of Godzilla and all this kind of stuff. Despite the fact that they killed Godzilla, but this, they unleash a second Godzilla. Oh, Um, shit. Which is, like, weird. But this one's very interesting in that, like, so it's, I mean, there is a parallel to be made between, like, King Kong and Son of Kong here where, hmm. it, you know, there is very much a, um, yep, let's, uh, this was a great thing. Let's make another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I buy into this one a lot more than I do for Son of Kong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explore the same themes that I don't think the themes of Godzilla, like, the themes of Godzilla Raids Again aren't as elaborate or um, fleshed out as Mm. Godzilla. But there's something great about this. It's like, so it's two like fishing scout pilots, guys in planes who, uh, you know, look down the water and see where schools of fish are for fishermen, Mm -hmm. like find and unleash Godzilla. And also another monster named Angaris, which I think is just an Ankylosaurus. Oh, it's like straight up a dinosaur. (laughs) Sure. Um, And then, Godzilla and the dinosaur fight. Godzilla wins and then they have to defeat Godzilla and it becomes this whole thing. And it's really interesting because it is from an entirely different point of view Mm. than the first one. And that like the first Godzilla is like these scientists and like these military people trying to figure out how to defeat Godzilla. Mm -hmm. This is about these fishing scout pilots, you know, and they get involved with the military and stuff like that. But like, it's like how this, corporate culture almost is like dealing with another Godzilla destroying um I think it was Osaka this time. Mm, okay. Um but I mean this is you know full on we're starting to get to here is guys in suits 
batting at each other in costumes, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like this was this is good. I'm having a lot of fun with this uh yeah. this undertaking. So um yeah, I mean Godzilla raids again, solid three stars, not as good as the first Godzilla, but of course. fun. Yeah. Um, so now you've done two Kong, two Godzilla? Yes, two Kong, two gotcha. Godzilla. Gotcha. Um, nice. I, the the next one I'm debating, there's a movie from 1949 called Mighty Joe Young, which like others might know Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's technically a Kong movie. Yeah. But is done by Ernest uh, Schrodesack, mm-hmm. who did the first King Kong and Son of Kong. Oh. So I feel like it counts. It's about a gorilla. And it's about a gorilla. So I feel like that's on my list. Okay. I like that's I think the next one to hit play on. Okay, so, that's really interesting. Okay, so but okay. I've got some I've got some uh, some Oscar ones to get through. I think before I continue before you down this road, continue. Yeah, maybe a couple, just a couple, just but a couple. That yeah. you, you know you can you can fit that in in your watches. I, I I believe in you. I believe in you. Um, I have been kind of following your lead and doing some movies that I had heard of, but I'm kind of embarrassed that I had never seen at this point. Oh, nice. And the good news is, is a lot of them are either on Prime, Netflix, or Criterion, like just across the yep. board. Um, so I just hit play on Devil in a Blue Dress, which I'd never seen. I'd heard a mm. lot about. It's one of Denzel Washington's, I don't know about best films, but it's one that people reference a lot. And I'd heard come up a lot in sure. conversation. Older, um, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe 95. Um, yeah. Directed by Carl Franklin and is essentially like a semi-noir mystery thriller about this guy named Easy Rollins, which, I mean, Denzel always has the best names in every single yeah. movie, and Easy Rollins is uh, is one of those, 100%. Uh, he plays an army veteran who comes back from, the, from World War II and is just looking for work, and he finds work uh, in this man played by Tom Sizemore, my guy, who mm-hmm. uh, who basically is this PI and wants him to find this woman. And then it just becomes this really interesting entertaining but easy to watch mystery kind of crime thriller and while this is not a perfect movie it's the kind of movie that just would never get made anymore because you know Mm. it's neither an a24 kind of indie but it's also not like a hundred million dollar action film it's like right in between but also isn't like it doesn't have the flashy tagline. It doesn't have all of those things that would get made today. Um, and that's just a shame because this movie is awesome. It's 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 just like highly entertaining. I guess that's what I'm coming down to. It's it's in the same vein of stuff like Point Break or Midnight Run. That's like it's not a perfect film, sure. but it is a really decent time for 90 minutes, you know, going through it. Um, Don Cheadle is in this as like kind of a psychotic, like always pulls the gun out first kind of friend, which I'm like... You know, I came into Don Cheadle with Rhodey, and I'm like, that's again, mm-hmm. this kind of sucks because you're you're getting not the best of any of these guys, yeah. and then when you go back in their careers, you understand, oh my God, this this is who Don Cheadle really is. Um, he's great. I mean, the movie Jennifer Beals is in this; she's great. I mean, I love Tom Sizemore. He's just one of those, you know, those that guys for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just it kind of made me just a little bit sad to to understand <laughs> that this is never going to be made again. Like this kind of movie just won't exist anymore because I don't think it has any of those things that grab um, a financier now. It's not sure. like a surefire thing that this is going to make a ton of money. 
but it's also not like an A24 neon film where you're like, well, this might get an Oscar nom, and it's like one of those things that could kind of sneak up on you. It's just a really down-the-middle kind of film that's entertaining, quality, and yeah, I would recommend Devil in a Blue Dress to just about anybody. Like, it's it's just a really nice. decent film. Um, and now I'm like, oh, I need to go back and see all of Denzel's films because the guy, he, no matter what the movie is, he does not miss um, yeah. in a way that I can't say about most other actors. Um, so it's weird yeah. because he's he's settled into this like I don't want to say like retired, but like semi-retired. Yeah. Like, I'm an older guy. I'm gonna do older guy kind of roles, you know. Yeah. Now, and I feel like if you just take that body of work, you forget some of the insane like young Denzel stuff. Yes, that's out there. That's just like you know him at the top of his game. Like, even uh, pre-training day, like, before, like, him in the 90s yeah. is like, whoa, this guy can cook. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah, you go back to, like, you know, Malcolm X. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you go back to, like, John Q is the one I was thinking mm-hmm. of that's, like, that's, like, a, yes. a force. I mean, and Hurricane, like, you know, all this different stuff. The Siege. I'm, like, just yeah, going man. His, his thing here now. But, like. He's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, and I think he doesn't get a lot of credit for those older roles at this point, which it's, you know, it's how time works, but... It is, but they're also, like, they weren't as noisy as some of the other films or some of the other actors coming out around that time. Like, you can name a bunch of Harrison Ford movies because a lot of them were, like, in your face, and people talk about The Fugitive, The Fugitive, yeah. Um, But, yeah, for some reason, Denzel is just, like... They might not be flashy, but he's always phenomenal in those roles. So yeah. I can't wait to, to watch more of his older stuff. So Devil in a Blue Dress. I nice. think it's on Prime right now. Check it out. Good stuff. Nice. Um. So I have to talk. Oh. About the other movie I watched. Do you wanna Do you wanna do your last one and we can end on this or? <laughs> we can. I know what it's gonna be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll do one more and then we'll end on the one that you're okay. gonna do. Uh. Another movie that I can't believe I had never seen. This is from 2016, I believe. It's called It Comes at Night. I remember this coming out. This is an early A24 film directed by Trey, mm-hmm. Trey Edward Schultz, starring Joel Edgerton, Chris Abbott, Carmen El uh, Ejogo, Riley Keough, um, Kelvin Harrison Jr., and yeah. is a movie about a pandemic, but it's told through the eyes of a family who is kind of um, forced to live in this, I guess, remote wood cabin. And you come into the film knowing nothing but understanding that something has happened, and mm-hmm. you never leave that cabin. It's about this family, what they have to deal with, and then suddenly another family shows up, and then they have to deal with that and what happens. And also, you know, it's weird going coming to this film after COVID, like after obviously COVID's still around, but after the major pandemic portion of the of COVID, because. Yeah. Like, this is deathly accurate to the way people were feeling. The way that people just were fiending for any kind of human interaction, Mm. community, family. And the movie is really about how, like, like what do you do with your human nature? Do you do the thing that's best for your family, for what's best for safety? Or do you try and help people even though you really shouldn't be trusting anyone? It's about trust, distrust, mistrust, guilt. And I thought this movie was awesome. And I'm like, this is directly up my alley. I'm not sure how this flew under my radar and I just never checked it out. I thought, I, honestly, 
I probably thought it was going to be pretentious, and it's just not. It's just a mm. really good, solid, like very Alex Garlandy kind of a film. Yeah. Um. How 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 much of like a horror movie would you say it is? Not at all. And how much of it is just like stress? It's just it's mostly just stress, anxiety, and it's a character piece about these people. There's mm. like some like freaky imagery but like i could say the same thing about all of us strangers like there's things sure. in those movies that could, could be considered horror but it's not a horror film it's a thriller for sure maybe even sci-fi a little bit but it's a pandemic thriller so uh i thought this was great uh, i really can't believe i hadn't seen it um joel edgerton remains one of those guys that i'm like you yeah. deserve a bigger career you are a leading man you lead yeah. a ton of films and yet for Amen. some reason you're just not there. I don't get it, but he's great in this. Um, Chris Abbott, I'm a huge fan. Just love him anyway. Um, so yeah, it comes at night. Solid nice. four-star movie. Nice. And now we can um, go to... <laughs> and now we can talk about uh, my big watch of, of the week. Um, this was my 7 a.m. on Saturday. Oh, dude. Whoa. I watched Saltburn. Yeah. This is a movie. Sure is. Um... A, I'm a little annoyed because I watched this being like, all right, this will be an Oscar movie. And as we said on Thursday, not so much. Not so much. Um, So just like watch this, you know. Um, So here's my thing is like, this is a good movie. Sure. I think. Um, It's well made. It's well made. Yeah. And that's the important distinction. Like Emerald Fresnel is a good filmmaker. Yes. And there are filmmaking things going on in this that are good. And are engaging and it's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the whole time it wanted to be in widescreen, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to like even communicate about this movie. Yeah. Other than what you said, which is kind of just like, but why? Yes. The overall story that we're going for here doesn't really show up until the movie's almost over. And like before that, you're just kind of like, yeah, we're just kind of living our lives here and we're, you know, doing all of this stuff. And then it starts. So like I kept having this moments of like, I don't know what like I'm watching. This is fucking weird to being like, oh, yeah. OK, yeah, I'm I into get this it. a little yeah. bit. Sure. Here we go. Yeah. To being like, I don't know why I'm watching this movie. <laughs> um, and I can't quite place what exactly it is. I think I've said before that I have a hard time with Barry Kogan. Yeah, um, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think from the get-go on this I had a hard time believing that Barry Kogan was in like college. Sure. Um he clearly to me looks like a 30 some odd old man. I know. But that's me. Um the thing that really got me was its unevenness. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I may get into slightly spoilery territory here um so listeners be warned it is on prime so if you want to watch it (laughs) and it's on prime yeah go watch it um yeah his character barry cogan's character um oliver there like goes back and forth so continually between i'm everything i'm doing is calculated yes which turns into much more of a thing to everything i'm doing is calculated and everything is like this is like ooh, i have a plan i have a plan i have a plan and then switches to, I have literally no control over myself. Yes. And that's all these big like moments that everyone are t- is talking about of him in the bathtub and him, you know, uh, the at the site. grave and all that kind of stuff. That's like him literally unable to control 
how fucking horny he is. Yes. Which those two things don't work together. Right. You can't be controlling of everything if you can't control anything. Yeah. And I think that's the problem I had is it kept having these like, oh, he's kind of manipulative. He's kind of there's something going on here. And then they'd be like, oh, well, no, he's absolutely insane. And he's can't nuts. control himself. Yeah. He's nuts. Like there's no way any of this works. Um, so and then, you know, and then you get to the end and it does this whole thing and it kind of beats you over the head with like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I was like, yeah, we're there. Right. We know, like, y- y- we've been watching the movie. But remember this. Yeah, remember this. I'm like, yes, it was 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I just saw um, it, yeah. So it got to the end, and it was just kind of this thing. And I was like, okay, but, like, I don't believe that this person, the way that you've portrayed him, is pulling this off. Yes. You know, which became my big thing of, like, I don't buy this movie. And, like, you know, as soon as you don't buy into it, then all kinds of problems arise, you know. It falls apart. It's the storytelling. It's it's the storytelling. You know, it's a movie that looks good and on paper makes sense because it's also like this is a movie and a concept that's been done over and over and over and over again. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's a sociopath who has control. But like you said, I think Emerald, I don't want to speak for her, but she tried to throw a wrench into that by being like, but no, he actually doesn't have control. But then flipping it around and being like, but no, actually, he does have control. And you're totally right. You can't have it both ways. This kind of a character doesn't work. Like the movie itself doesn't work if the character has it both ways, because then it just completely doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I had a hard time. I mean, like I said, it's like good filmmaking. I just didn't. Oh, and the other thing. I have to bring up is I do not for the life of me know why this movie is set in 2006. Very pointedly. It's like 2006. Very pointedly 2006. Like there's banners that say welcome class of 2006. All of the needle drops are music from 2006. And like, it seems like some kind of inside joke or something that is just so there and doesn't fit at all. Like, yeah. there were so many needle drops. I'm like, you just wanted to use music from 2006 in yeah. this. Yeah. And, like, that does And, like, you wanted to have them reading Harry Potter. Right. Right. And I'm like, that doesn't have... Like, all of that stuff has nothing to do with the story. It's a weird detail that you're shoving down our throats. Right. And I will say, the thing... Now that we're going into the date, because I didn't... The date itself didn't make that much difference to me. But the fact is... They're showing stuff and listening to stuff that actually didn't come out till 2007. Yeah. Like, Super Bad was 2007. Yeah. Low was 2007 or 2008. Like, it was one of those things where I'm like, if you're going to make such a That's big damning. deal yeah. out of it being 2006, then what the fuck are we doing here? It doesn't matter. It's fiction. Yeah. Like, what is? what do we have to... Like, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a sloppy movie that's entertaining. You know? Like, I had is fun watching it. Now that I'm thinking about it, is it... Too- it is. It is because this was a whole discourse. I'm like, this is what y'all are gonna. Okay. This movie is a fucking like mess, and this well, is I what just, we're. <laughs> I was doing timelines in my head, and I was like, does it say Welcome Class of 2006 when he starts, and then oh. they go through the semester? 
So I... it would be, or they go through the year and they, like now I don't remember because like I was just like 2006. Okay, I guess it's 2006. Cool. Yeah. Which is like even more damning if I have to do date math to know what year it is. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, shout out Roseman Pike. She was the, she was the best. So funny. So funny. <laughs>